This is That's Another Story Told, the podcast. The author, the narrator, the short story. Together they dance in your ears. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of That's Another Story Told. I'm Ian Pringle. This week we have a story called Magic Awakened. It's a lovely family magical fantasy story for you, uh, narrated by the author, uh, Barbara Hensley. She hails from Texas in the United States of America, um, and she is a fiction author as well as a non-fiction author. She also writes articles for several online publications and volunteers for Learning Ally. Um, They're a great organisation and she narrates audiobooks for dyslexic and visually impaired people. So that's Barbara and here's the story. I hope you enjoy it. Magic Awakened, a short story written and narrated by Barbara Hensley. Ember and the twins are having a blast running back and forth between the zip lines, the slides, the parallel bars, and all the playground equipment on this cool afternoon at Audubon Park. The energy amongst the three is palpable. Celeste enjoys this time she has with her family now. She and her husband moved to New Orleans to be closer to her half-sister and other relatives, which has made her a happier person. She's had trouble finding happiness over the years. They tire me out just watching them, she says with a wide smile watching her five-year-old daughter, Ember. Celeste turns to her sister, who isn't watching the kids. Vivian is busy knitting hats for her six-year-old twins, Aiden and Adele. Tiring them out is a good thing. A tired set of twins is a well-behaved set of twins. Vivian winks at Celeste, then places her knitting away in her tote bag. She reaches into the cooler sitting on the ground, pulls out a ginger ale, and hands it to her sister. Thanks, sis. Popping the top, she watches the kids running hither and thither. I swear I can see trails of energy clouds follow Ember when she runs all fast and furious reaching her free hand for the sky from left to right in slow motion. She says in a soft, drawn-out tone, like a jet high in the sky. Amused with herself, she turns to Vivian, who is taking a big gulp of ale and swallows hard after hearing her sister's remarks. Vivian raises her eyebrows. You know what you think you see is probably the real thing, sis. You can see auras. I know you don't remember your clairvoyance. You've repressed it for years. But if you dig deep, you'll find it. Believe it and join us again, darling. Come back to us, she beckons facetiously. Oh, stop, Celeste looks away, frowning. She rubs the back of her neck as she always does when the topic of her family's psychic abilities arise. All the stuff the family has experienced over the years can be explained, and you know that, she says, dismissing her sister's crazy notion. Okay, sis, I won't debate you, nor will I speak badly about your dad right now, even though he was the one who forced you inward. That's all I'll say, Vivian says, holding both palms up and turning towards her bag, showing she is done with the topic. 
It's getting late. I think I'll take the twins home for a rest and get ready for my sweet Darren to come home. Vivian laughs at her own joke. But Celeste tilts her head in confusion. She explains, You know, I'm Samantha and he's Darren. Get it? From Bewitched? Oh, come on! Please! You are as much of a Samantha as I am an Endora. It's wishful thinking, Viv. Gathering her things, clearly annoyed, she stands up and turns to call her daughter. Ember! Little Ember is standing by her side looking up at her, calmly ready and waiting to go. Good grief, Ember! How? She quickly turns to see if Vivian noticed what just occurred. Smirking, Vivian says, Uh-huh. There's a little witch in all of us, darling. Taking the hand of each twin, she walks towards her car and says over her shoulder, Love you, girls. Blessed be. Vivian's witchy talk is too much for me to bear. Her stories of supernatural occurrences in the family are far-fetched. If true, it's a wonder some of the females in our family weren't committed to an institution. Or worse, maybe some were and I just don't know about them. Later, at home, Celeste asks, Amber, honey, how did you know I was about to tell you it was time to leave the park? I just felt it, Ember says as she plops down on the rug with her coloring book. Did that red crayon just roll into her hand by itself? Reading her mom's mind, Ember says, Sometimes I do that, Mommy. Look, I'll get the blue one, too. Laying her hand on the rug, palm up, she pulled the blue crayon to herself. See? Grammy tells me you used to be able to do that, too. Grammy tells you? She asks, taken aback. Who is your Grammy, Ember? She says she's your mommy and my Grammy, she says casually as she colors, her long, wavy, dark hair hanging down to the carpet. Celeste gasps and feels a flush of adrenaline tingling through her body. What does she look like, Ember? Ember thinks for a second stands up and walks over to the bookshelf. She pulls a photo album off the bottom shelf. Grammy says her picture isn't here. Chills travel up Celeste's spine as she takes the album from her child. Is Grammy here right now? Peering around the room, goosebumps rise on her forearms. She is, but I don't see her right now. I feel her, though, and she loves us. Ember looks up at her mom, offering a sweet smile. Grammy wants you to remember who you really are, Mommy. She says you'll be so much happier. I want to feel you, Mom. I want to see you, talk to you, ask you all the questions that I've had over the years to bring me out of this funk. Holding the photo album close to her chest with one hand, Celeste takes Ember's sweet face in her other hand and caresses her. You be sure to tell Grammy that we love her, too, and that I'll try, okay? Ember cheerfully sings songs, Okay! as she skips back to her coloring book. Sitting back on the couch, looking at the old photos of her mom, Celeste begins having flashbacks of strange occurrences that took place when she was Ember's age. She sees herself running up the stairs, passing her deceased maternal grandmother, who was standing there watching as if it were nothing unusual. 
Celeste waves at her smiling grandmother as she goes. Her grandmother watches and waves back. Another flashback at six years old, playing in the backyard, walking up to an injured bird. Celeste holds the bird in her hands and, unbeknownst to her, casts a healing spell using the energy in her hands. She holds the bird up high, releases her hold, and says, Fly, fly, fly! The healed bird flies up and away. She recalls how she could see more spirits as she grew older and how her abilities started becoming overwhelming. I had no instruction on how to control it. I had no family near me. She recalls telling her dad about seeing her recently deceased mom one evening and how his reaction mortified her. He had said, Celeste, your mind is playing tricks on you. You're imagining things. Your mother is gone. Don't bring her memory up to me. It's painful. The look of contempt on his face was terrifying. Keep it up, and I'll take you to a psychiatrist. There's a condition called schizophrenia and drugs that I can give you for these hallucinations. Ask your Aunt B. She knows all about it. Shock treatment fixed her up real good, so you just keep it up. He walked out, leaving her alone in the room. She was eight years old at the time. Who is Aunt B? More memories start flooding in, like the horrible recurring nightmare she had as a child. The dream seems so real. She walks on a wide path in a forest. The full moon above offers light, and she sees smoke rising through the trees up ahead. Feeling a sense of urgency, she starts running and she hears screaming. Finally, she reaches a clearing and sees people standing in front of a burning pyre. Her mother is looking at her, tears flowing and arms reaching towards her. Her body is burning. She says, run, my daughter, hide, they're coming for you. Celeste freezes with fear, watching the skin melt off her mother's bones as she reaches towards her. Once, she wakes from that nightmare by the sound of her dad's voice calling her name. She realizes she's laying on the floor of her bedroom closet. She screams at the top of her lungs, Daddy, they're burning Mama, get her down, she's burning, and they're coming for me next, Daddy. She pounds on the closet door, and when her dad finally opens the door, she passed out. Celeste calls her sister on the phone. With an urgent tone, she says, Vivian, I need to talk to you. I'm having flashbacks from when I was a kid. I'm recalling having psychic abilities, like seeing spirits and healing animals. Could it be true? Vivian flops back in her chair and utters a soft, Thank the goddess. Finally. Yes, darling, it can be true. It is true, as I've been trying to tell you for so long. Let me try to explain what your psyche did as a protective measure. Vivian explains how Celeste's father took her to the hospital when she was eight years old after experiencing debilitating nightmares and sleepwalking occurrences. She squashed her true self after years of antipsychotic drugs and antidepressants. 
You put a metaphysical plug in your abilities, darling. You placed yourself behind a virtual brick wall. It was a classic defense mechanism. When the family learned what had happened to you, we were livid. And to think you didn't even know we existed at the time broke my heart, Vivian asks. What brought on the flashbacks, do you know? It was four simple words that Ember said. I asked her how she knew I was about to call her when we were in the park. Out of the mouth of my own babe, she said, I just felt it. And I suddenly realized that my child has abilities. Then the memories started flooding in. The excitement in Celeste's voice is unmistakable. Can you come over for brunch on Sunday? Bring the cousins and the aunties if they can come too. I need my family's guidance. I think I've had an epiphany. We'll be there on Sunday, my love. We'll bring everything. You just have the mimosas ready. All the children are playing in the beautiful garden district backyard, soaking in the sunshine. The adults are enjoying the afternoon on Celeste's beautiful covered flagstone patio. The soft tones of the chimes are peaceful, as are the gentle sounds of the waterfall. Brunch was delightful, Celeste. Elder Aunt Evelyn walks unsteadily with her cane through the patio door, joining the others. Now what is this I hear about long overdue news or advice needed by the family? Yes, you have the majority of us here now, darling. Cousin Mona helps her mother, Evelyn, settle in a chair. What is it that we can help you with? I do hope you've let go of those terrible ideas that your dreadful father put in your head when you were a child. Aunt Evelyn scowls at her daughter. Hush, child. Let us not speak badly of my late sister's husband, for she is not here to defend him. Peering around the patio. Is she? Celeste laughs softly and answers her Aunt Evelyn. It's funny you say that, because Mama did visit me in my dreams last night. The dream was so vivid. That's how I know it was a visit and not just a regular dream. She had everyone's attention now. I haven't dreamt so vividly in many years. Tell us about it, darling. Usually after epiphanies such as the one I feel you've had, our dearly departed can visit us to offer guidance. Well, I was walking along a wide river on a beautiful day. The air was crisp and the sky so blue. I saw Mama coming towards me from the other side of the river. Oh, she was so beautiful. She looked healthy as if never ill. Her hair appeared as if surrounded by a halo. She had on a long, flowing white dress. I couldn't see her feet, and it appeared as if she were floating towards me. Her arms were reaching out to me. I could see she was crying. I heard no sound, but I saw the tears running down her face as she made her way across the river. By the time she reached me, I could see the expression on her face. Although tears were flowing, they seemed to be tears of joy. The family is intently watching as she describes her dream visit. Why do you feel your mother visited you, darling? Asks Cousin Mona, holding her hand to her heart. I know why, offers Vivian. Our Celeste has finally realized it's time to come out of the broom closet. Isn't that right, sis? 
Celeste looks around the table at these beautiful women who are her family. Yes, it's true. As a child, I feared my father, so I repressed my heritage. I reinvented myself and blocked all my clairvoyant abilities. I made life normal. College, marriage, Ember's arrival, and raising her as normal people do. Aunt Evelyn asks, What happened to help you release the suppression, darling? It must have been earth-shattering. As if on cue, Ember, Aiden, Adele, and the other children run up to the patio table and stand by their mothers. Pulling her daughter on her lap, Celeste says, It was momentous, Aunt Evelyn. Simple, yet momentous. We were at the park. As if Ember was practicing astral projection, she appeared. One second she was on the other side of the park. The next second, she's standing right next to me. I hadn't even called her name yet. Looking up at her mom, Ember says, I remember that. We were all on the slide. Then I just felt like Mommy needed me to come over to her quickly, so I did, she says, shrugging her shoulders. Wide smiles and nodding heads of understanding from around the table. Those close enough reach out to touch Ember affectionately. Vivian walks around the table holding her champagne glass. She affectionately kisses Ember's head. When she reaches her sister, she pulls her up by the sleeve of her blouse to stand. I'm making a toast, a long-awaited toast. Everyone, please stand. Each raises her glass. Vivian holds her glass up high and says, To my little sister, who's just uncovered her long-buried legacy, may she dedicate herself to the spiritual development with our guidance, her sisters, her coven. Aunt Evelyn adds, Let the magic fill your heart and breathe into your soul the surety that our knowledge will be passed along to you and that we can overcome any upheaval that new beginnings may bring. Celeste begins to cry happy tears. She says, My path has finally revealed itself, and I shall follow it with the help of my family. I have finally released my imprisoned birthright. At the very moment glasses clink, a beautiful blue orb appears, making her way slowly into the mix of the family. She circles each woman and each child with blessing and encouragement. The beautiful blue orb envelops Celeste from head to toe and back again, leaving a wonderful sense of reassurance and familial support. So mote it be the coven says in unison as they watch the glorious ball of light float amongst them and then up and away into the clear blue sky. Thank you for listening to Another Story Told, the podcast. We really hope you enjoyed the show and if you do, then please subscribe because you'll get a new story every week. If, like us, you want to celebrate new authors and narrators, then please share this as far and wide as you possibly can. Maybe you have a story of your own that you'd like to submit. To do that, just look at the show notes and all the information you need is there. 
Thank you.